Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Contact has been made. Evan is indeed alive, and we got a message from him past 3 p.m. So we, we think he is back on the side of the pond, and he has set a return date for Wednesday. So if next episode opens up and it's not Evan's voice, then you all can file the missing persons report. And Brad, you and I probably have a lot of explaining to do. <laughs> I'm not not saying this isn't a weekend at Bernie's situation. It would be a funny way to like soft launch the fact that we did in fact kill Evan. <laughs> he shows up for three episodes before anybody realizes he hasn't moved or blinked. or <laughs> <laughs> It's the perfect crime. <laughs> Folks, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. We are here. The preseason is over. The final division preview is today. The Red Wings season preview is going to take place on Wednesday. Hockey is imminent. It's right around the corner, and we are excited. Welcome to the show. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. And Evan is definitely alive and not held up by strings right now. We are excited to talk to you about the Detroit Red Wings, all things hockey, and more. On this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, we'll be talking about Detroit's recent games to wrap up the preseason, and we'll also be discussing certain players and their chances of making the team, like Simon Edvinson. We'll be talking about Sprong, and that I think he's this year's Kubelik, and the Red Wings could have a, a serious gem on their hands here. The recent cuts or assignments to whatever junior team or Grand Rapids or Toledo that came down from Detroit. Uh, Detroit's signing of Zach Aston Reese and then subsequent waving and plenty more. And then, of course, our Atlantic Division preview. It's not the Detroit Red Wings preview, but we will be covering them and all other teams in the Atlantic as we make our projections as to what's going to happen in Detroit's side of the NHL world. We'll cover some NHL news and more before overtime. Before that, Winged Wheel Podcast Night at the LCA. Tickets are running out. If you want to get your special Detroit Red Wings and Winged Wheel Podcast co-branded beanie, Officially licensed. You have to be one of the first 400 ticket buyers. We are at under 100 tickets left. I believe now I actually haven't checked since last episode, so be sure to get yours fast. Winged Wheel Podcast Night at the LCA is a partnered event with the Detroit Red Wings where we, the Winged Wheel Podcast, record a live episode of the show at Little Caesars Arena before a Red Wings game. So that'll be Saturday, November 4th against the Boston Bruins. So we're going to record a live episode. It's going to feature Red Wings lead announcer Ken Daniels. You get to watch the show. You get to ask questions. Mix and uh, mix and mingle with us, you know. Say hi to Ken, probably Evan. Have them sign some things. Muck about with me and Brad if you want to uh, have an especially poor day. Have Evan sign things. He hates signing things. It's actually quite funny to watch. There's gonna be merch, prizes, giveaways. Obviously, you'll get your beanie if you're on the for- first 400 ticket buyers. Your tickets are discounted. You get a special Winged Wheel Podcast discount. A portion of the proceeds benefits the Jamie Daniels Foundation, and you have the option of sitting in the lower bowl, upper bowl, or the gondola, which is the same view that Ken and Mick call the game from. So those are going to be special Winged Wheel podcast seating sections. So Winged Wheel podcast at the LCA, Saturday, November 4th. Make sure you get your tickets, wingedwheelpodcast.com slash redwings, or go to the link in the description of this episode. Let's start out here with a quick recap of the Red Wings' last three preseason games. So we recorded as the game against Pittsburgh happened. It was a 2-1 win, wherein Daniel Sprong got on the board. And so did Simon Edvinson with a great play, great movement up the ice for Detroit. And Simon Edvinson ripped it home, showing the offensive flair and 
honestly, I don't think he's been uh, bad or wasn't bad to start, but really kind of was putting things together as a preseason rolled on and, and hasn't made a really good demonstration of why I think he's ready for the NHL now, but that's a conversation for a little later. He still has to work on his penalties and such, but I digress. So that was a Red Wings 2-1 win. They then visited Toronto, wherein they lost 4-3 in overtime. As it goes with these things, the home team generally has more of their roster players dressed, and Detroit had you know more players auditioning, and it was the inverse the other way. So uh, the Red Wings lost 4-3 in overtime. Nate Danielson got on the board. Very smart tip. Bear Green got on the board, continuing his uh, his good or better performance as the preseason has gone on, as did Dominic Shine. And then last night, the Red Wings won 4-3 in Detroit. Larkin scored, Sherratt scored from the point, Joe Valeno scored, continued his solid performance, and sprung again. So that's the Red Wings. The preseason is over. I still maintain the preseason's too long. Yeah, that felt like it went on for a month. I get, you know, the utility for teams because they have to make these roster decisions. It's such a good way to have your team set. But we were talking off-air recently, Brad, that... I think it was an NFL lockout. I don't know. I can't remember how many years ago, but essentially they had no time to for camp. They they started the season a little late or something like that. And defenses were just terrible to start the year. And it caused so much chaos and so much fun offense. And I think that kind of chaos by forced unpreparedness is a fun way to start the season, honestly. It's a little arbitrary, and I'm sure coaches that are listening to this shaking their heads like, shut the hell up, dude. No one wants this. But I think it would make for a fun time. And it would shorten a lot of it just feels like fluff leading up to the season. Yeah, a thousand percent. It's nice from an evaluation standpoint, but it's weird even being a fan and watching a game that doesn't mean anything, right? Like if the Red Wings lose a game 7-3 in the preseason, but Nate Danielson has a hat trick, I'm going to be happy about that game, but I'm going to be upset that I feel happy about it. Yeah. And then it does not go onto the score sheet. Like it, it disappears because preseason stats don't mean anything. So it, it's not a complaint about hockey. It's just I think they could have a much shorter preseason and be just fine. And it would stop the season from running so far into the summer too, which I think players would love. So that said, they I think what's eventually going to happen here is owners are going to want to add two games under the guise of you know making it even for playing X number of teams in your division or whatever, and really it's just going to increase gate revenue because every game adds more money. It's a gate-driven league. And then they'll have a trade-off by saying, yeah, okay, give us two regular season games. We'll take off four preseason games or something like that. Well, you stumbled upon why they have six to eight preseason games to begin with. And let me tell you, it ain't the owners doing it for evaluation purposes. Well, I guess it depends on the market, though. Like, I can see markets that don't exactly fill the rank not it might not even be worth it to do more preseason games. And teams do have varied amount of preseason games. It's it's up to the teams. They have to have a specific amount, but they do, they can add more. Yeah, Detroit is uh, above the required limit. They play more yes. than they're supposed to, yeah. for those of you at home wondering. So, all in all, I think we've seen, you know, you're not going to write articles about yeah uh, the Red Wings did so well in preseason that they're going to be crowned regular season champions like Detroit Lions fans know how that goes so but I think we did see some things in this preseason that clarified a lot of things we were pretty certain about showed promise in areas that are important to see promise in like the Red Wings power play 
how you know Debrinket meshes with some players. There's still some questions to be answered. There was, I think, areas wherein it was a little disappointing. I would have loved to have seen more than just Nate Danielson really, you know, make the Red Wings have to make a hard decision. But we'll get to that. Any other big takeaways for you from the preseason? It's preseason. It's not nothing. And what happens in preseason doesn't mean much, but it doesn't not mean anything. So I liked what I saw from Valeno. He had a strong camp. Comfer had a strong preseason. Danielson, we can spend the next year with our minds at ease because he he really did put on a show and that's going to make most Wings fans very happy with him being the pick at nine as long as you ignore what's going on in Buffalo. And beyond that, yeah, I would have liked to have seen Debrinkit get on the score sheet. Yeah. Didn't. Oh, well, who cares? Maybe saving them all for the regular season. It's hard to read into it too much. Preseason for me only exists for the up-and-comers. I, I do not, I genuinely do not care what the established veterans do in preseason. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't emphasize enough how little I care. Danielson was the big talking point. Edvinson, obviously, we were all watching closely. And Casper, we were watching closely. And then, yeah, you you hope to see maybe a little bit of pop from the Cross Hannises and Amadeus Lombardis of the world, which I think we got. And it was a mixed bag in the preseason. I think we had the, you know, guy who overperformed expectations in that category, which would be Nate Danielson. Yeah. The guy who met expectations, which would be Edvinson. I and agree. the guy and the guy who probably underperformed expectations, which was Marco Casper, which as we've been beaten to death, this whole rebuild, this is statistically how it generally works out. You have, you know, you if you have 10 prospects, a few of them are going to like overachieve. A couple of them will be about what you expect them to be. And a good chunk of them will not be what you drafted them to be. And this preseason was kind of the microcosm of that. Yeah. So the Red Wings have already started to reduce their preseason roster. By the time you're listening to this, they'll probably have made more cuts. Next episode is the Res- Red Wing season preview, which will cover all of the final roster decisions. Final. I mean, until the first injury happens. But so far at the time of recording, they have assigned the following players to Grand Rapids Griffins in the AHL. Alexander Doucette, Marco Casper, Amadeus Lombardi, Albert Johansson, Antti Tuomisto, Emil Vero, William Willinder, Sebastian Kosa, Austin Zarnick, Tim Gettinger, Taro Hirose, Nolan Stevens, Jared McIsaac, Wyatt Newpower, and Brogan Rafferty. And then John Lethman, the goalie, went down to Toledo. So no surprises there. I think, you know, you would have, a pie in the sky thing would have been, oh yeah, it would have been cool to see Amadeus Lombardi really pop off and just continue his streak of just wowing everyone. But he's a, a small, skilled forward who has barely played any pro hockey. Like he's had a sniff of it in the AHL, so he wasn't going to come in and you know kick the door down, and that's fine. It's not a knock on him. I'm actually, we're all still very excited for Amadeus Lombardi. The defensemen are, they have such a big task in front of them with all of the NHL roster players and Simon Edvinson trying to to hold those spots. Marco Casper for me is the one where I'm like, mm, I would have loved to have seen more. It's not a write off of his season. Like you, you put it really well. I think the other episode. Casper next to Danielson, that contrast didn't really make it better for Casper either. I don't think he was bad. I think I liked his game more as as the preseason went on, but 
I think he had he was one of the players who was uniquely positioned to make the Red Wings make a hard decision. Like there was a way that the preseason could have gone where Marco Casper realistically could have had a spot in this roster. So, well, it's worth remembering going into the draft with Marco Casper that the opinions on him, uh, no matter where he was ranked by whatever outlet, were damn near unanimous. Unbelievable character, 200-foot player, will run through a wall for you, has all the intangibles uh, you would like on the ice, has that pro-style game, but is the offense there? Universally, that was the opinion. At no point in this preseason did I see the offense. At no point did he seem threatening in the offensive zone. Can I point out a ton of weaknesses with him? No, exactly as advertised. He was responsible all over the ice. He was competing his ass off. He was making life hard on the opponents. But I I genuinely can't remember a single dangerous skill play he made in the offensive zone the entire preseason. Yeah. And that's concerning. Because you can be a good four seed doing that in the NHL, but you can't play top nine center unless there is some offense there. And it was nowhere to be found in the preseason. And that's not to, you know, start sending up alarm bells because he's had some offense in the SHL, not as much as we would have liked, but Mm -hmm. some it's there. Will it translate up levels? Well, it hasn't yet. So, And he has a year now in Grand Rapids to work on that. A good year in Grand Rapids can completely change the narrative. Yep. A bad year in Grand Rapids can also <laughs> completely change the narrative. But uh, yeah. Just in case you're having too good of a day, folks. Yeah. But he'll be the guy above all else that's going to be super important to watch in Grand Rapids. Because even if Beargren, Soderblom, and Edvinson all end up in Grand Rapids, I think we have a pretty good grasp on what all of them are and are going to be. Yeah. You know, you can probably predict Beargren's career within 10 points of his yearly point total one way or another, and you'll be most people be reasonably accurate. Casper's the wild card because mm-hmm. he could be a 2C, he could be a 4C, and everything in between. Danielson, obviously, is going back to junior, so we don't need to beat that to death. And obviously, there's tons of reason to be excited about him. But Grand Rapids is going to be really, really young. There's going to be a lot of reasons to watch Grand Rapids this year. And probably, fairly or unfairly, most of the pressure is going to fall squarely on Marco Casper. Not all of it, because a lot will also oh, yeah. be Sebastian Kosa, another player who... And Edvinson and Berggren and yeah. Soderblom. <laughs> but Kosa got sent down, and that made sense. I mean, he didn't yeah. He didn't it, have a good preseason overall. Like, it's not what you wanted to see, but we we talked about this a few episodes ago. It's not like you're, you're sounding alarm bells and saying, oh, bust, but you're starting to be concerned, or people have been concerned, and he needs to have a good year in the AHL. He had a good year in the ECHL, got some runway, got his legs under him, and... and really started to perform behind a very, very, very strong walleye team. He needs to have a good year in the AHL now. And here's the thing. Grand Rapids, when does a team this young in the AHL ever do well? It, he's he's not going to have the kind of support. He's going to get a lot of rubber. Yeah. That's Which I just, think is probably what he needs. For the course of the franchise, I would much rather have an AHL team that loses a lot of games but is full of prospects who are going to make an impact in the NHL one day than have a, you know, yeah. a million Chris Terry's and Ben Streets of the world. Yeah. But those teams don't win games in the AHL. That's that's the reality of it. So Kosa's going to have his work cut out for him, plus whoever the other goalie ends up being. 
because uh, Kosa might not even be the starter. It'll be a, we'll call it interesting dynamic in GR. My thing with Edmondson is, you know, the NHL isn't a development league, but we've held the opinion on this podcast for a long time of there's a sufficient standard where getting the NHL reps is the next best step in your development. So you have to be willing to eat some of those mistakes. Brad, you talked, I think, last episode of you're willing to to suffer the mistakes of a player if it's for the purpose of his development, and the Red Wings aren't at a juncture right now where they're competing for Stanley Cups. So it's not like it's no stakes, but the stakes are pretty low. And I think Edvinson is there in my mind. Don't worry about the roster and all the players ahead of him. We'll talk about that in a second. But in terms of how he's performing, I think if he's in the NHL right now, he makes a difference on this team. I think we will see him get better every game. I think he will be a liability to start. He takes a lot of penalties, and he has a lot of of sanding down of the rough edges to do in his game. But for defensemen, it's a really hard thing to do. And oftentimes, what you need is that you know two hundred reps, like two hundred NHL games, before a defenseman really learns how to be a defenseman in the NHL. Most cider is the exception to the rule. Most defensemen, even the talented ones, need a lot of of runway. So. My prediction is that Edvinson ends up on the outside and has to wait for an injury to really get a solid roster spot, but I think he will be there by the end of the year. But I've seen enough from him this preseason where I'm pretty confident that this is like the right place for him and he's ready to take that step. It's hard to say. Defensemen are a unique breed, as you know. Yes. We're pretty weird. I don't know. This is the the tough one for me because I've said it at length and it's worth repeating yet again. If the NHL is the right place for Simon Edmondson and the Detroit Red Wings come to the conclusion that, yes, Simon Edmondson is ready for the NHL, it's worth losing a depth defenseman for that. Mm -hmm. If they have to waive an Olimata, a Ben Sherratt, a Justin Hole, a who the hell ever that isn't named Mo Sider or Jake Wallman, it's worth it for the long-term future of this team. If they determine that his development is better served in the AHL, then that's where he should go. If it's determined it's better served in the NHL, that's where he should go. I don't want to go back to this Ken Holland era of over-ripening prospects because there's too many, quote-unquote, good NHL players ahead of them. I don't care. I don't really have that fear. I've seen it floating around. I. It hasn't happened yet. No. I, I think everything that the Red Wings have put in front of these young players has been reasonable enough. I Would I have made all the same decisions? Probably one or two fewer free agents. Like one at forward, one at defense. But in general, I have enough confidence based on what Steve Eisman and Derek Malone have done and, and Jeff Blaschel previously that when a player is ready and really pushes them, they graduate. And obviously the examples are getting a bit old, but they did not hold Lucas Raymond or Mo Sider back. And especially at times for Lucas Raymond... You know, his game suffered as he was going through the, the throes of a 82-game season and last year's sophomore slump-ish. They they earned their spot. So I'm pretty confident that once these guys are actually kicking down the door, they'll have the opportunity. But I get maybe why some people are concerned. It's not like the moves are going to have to be made, and it's hard to conceptualize which one it is, but they'll be made eventually, or injuries will happen, whatever it might be. That's just me. Maybe I'm, have we switched? Has there been a, a paradigm shift on the podcast? I'm the optimist again. 
Weren't you always? No. Maybe. I don't know. Evan certainly won't be the optimist when he comes back <laughs> from the dead. Yeah, it might be. If if folks are relying on me and my resting grumpy face, to put it lightly, to be the optimist on the show, we might be. Uh, they might have a hard time. <laughs> the only saving grace is Evan uh, has been so out of it, he might not have paid any attention to Buffalo Sabres training camp. So That's good. Yeah, we don't need him to know how well Zach Benson's doing. No, absolutely not. Because there will be holes in my wall. He'll go full Kyle. <laughs> Sorry to all the Kyles out there. Daniel Sprong is is a story out of the preseason that I we've talked about before. At the moment of signing, we said this is a great addition, a cheap addition to the team. Really smart, efficient scorer with Seattle with, with limited minutes. The guy has a real scoring touch. And I think he's going to do what Dominic Kubelik did for Detroit, which was just come in and score. Kubelik was a little streaky, but he came in and he contributed tangibly to the offense. So it was hard to lose him in the Debrinka trade. Obviously, you make that deal 10 times out of 10. And now they added Sprong to hopefully do the same thing. I think Sprong, 20 goals, is a, a, I would comfortably make that bet. I would hope so. That's exactly why they brought him in. Yeah. Yeah, he looks like he has a, a chance to genuinely impact this offense in a way where it's very hard to add that kind of scoring for that cheap in free agency. And they did it. And... Yeah, the big thing would be if he can replace Dominic Kubalik's goals, then the Debrinka trade is a true, you're adding Alex Debrinka's goals. Yes. Yeah, because that's the risk, right? We talked about it when the trade happened, is there's a chance that Debrinka gets outscored by Kubalik. You never know if he has a hard time adjusting or if Kubalik finds some really good chemistry over there or if Ottawa is a better offensive team overall and Dabrinka doesn't really have as much to work with depending on who he's paired with like yeah so if if Sprong can replace that that is that's how you kind of configure your roster and, and not lose scoring which God knows the Red Wings cannot afford to lose scoring right now they're close to calling you up Brad and then we're all in for it but no Daniel Sprong's scoring touch has been uh, really good to see Zach Aston Reese was signed by Detroit to a one-year, two-way deal. Uh, two-way doesn't affect waiver eligibility. Two-way just means they earn different money whether they're in the NHL or AHL. So $750,000 in the NHL and 350000 in the AHL, for example, and it's all prorated. So they signed him and immediately put him on waivers. Yeah, I was surprised that he went on waivers because from not that I've ever watched a hell of a lot of Zach Aston Reese, but the general consensus was always he was an NHL fourth liner, but a good NHL fourth liner who could actually chip in some offense and, and play the role well. So a little surprised to see the signing made. Again, never hurts to have too much depth or insurance. Like no one else signed him, and thus you have to assume that he gets through. At the time of listening, maybe something different will have happened and we sound really stupid. But it's also the right time to put people on waivers. Every team is trying to figure out their contract situation, their roster situation, all of that right now. And so teams in general aren't, making too many moves to add outside contracts. There's the contract limit. You've just spent all preseason evaluating your own players. It's it's not terribly common for someone else to go on waivers and really pull your eyes away in a way where you're you're willing to disrupt a situation where you don't have a lot of wiggle room. The NHL roster does not provide a lot of room to stash players, so to speak. So this isn't your fantasy football team with like a, a 10 person or a 10 deep bench. So you want to wave someone, get them down the AHL, have that flexibility for later until the first injury or maybe even for the first game, now's the time to do it. So, yeah, depth move. And by all rights, I've heard the same thing as you in that like in that depth role. He does well. So 
it made sense to me in that the Red Wings have a very full roster. And the moment they signed him, I was like, no, yeah, waivers right away. There's nothing out. Like, they have to because there's just too much happening at the roster level. Well, if someone had to go on waivers, there's always a chance it wasn't him. But this does feel like that was the plan from the get-go. Okay. Anything else on the preseason before we jump into our Atlantic Division preview? Thank thank God for Nate Danielson. Thank Thank the universe for Nate Danielson this preseason, <laughs> giving us like three episodes worth of content. He like Nate Danielson's performance was a very welcome surprise. Yes. And a quick splice in here. We had actually just finished recording. We had been a little bit into OT when the Red Wings announced further cuts to reduce the roster to 23. So going down to the Grand Rapids Griffins are Jonathan Berggren, Cross Hannes, Elmer Soderblom, and Simon Edvinson. Nate Danielson has been sent back to the Brandon Wheat Kings, and Detroit designated Matt Luff and Carter Mazur as injured non-roster. So they can't be sent down until they are healthy, and so that's where they'll remain. So the Red Wings have brought their 23-man roster to 13 forwards, seven defensemen, and three goalies. So they are keeping Reimer and Lyon for now. So 13, 7, and 3. The fallout from this is Berggren, Hannes, Soderblom, Edmondson, and Nate Danielson. That one wasn't a surprise. Now, it's also important to remember that just because these roster cuts have happened doesn't mean that more roster moves can't be made. So by the time you're listening to this, you probably know a little bit more about how this is going to shake out. But the Red Wings don't play their first game until October 12th. So, you know, Zach Aston Reese clearing waivers could change things. It could just be like a paper move sent down for Berggren. You know, waiver eligibility for Zach Aston Reese could be seen as a commodity so they can keep him up longer. This could still uh, move around. And so nothing is is solid yet. So by the time we record our season preview, we'll have more of a vision and, and dive way deeper into what the roster actually is. But so far, the decision to keep the three goalies you know, the, the not surprising sending Danielson back to the CHL, Edvinson down to the A, like that's the kind of stuff where you can see a little bit more materially in terms of how this roster is going to come together. But the fringe moves like Berggren, Zach Aston Reese, we'll see how all that works out. Quick thoughts on that based on the conversation that we just had. Yeah, um, I don't think any of this is surprising. And we mentioned that even before we knew the roster, we were kind of talking as if this was happening. Uh, first thought that I want to get out of the way quickly, because we ate up a good chunk of last episode on this, three goalies rostered. Mm-hmm. They kept all three, uh, which we figured was a possibility, and now it appears that has come to fruition. I don't want to be negative about this, but this is a team in rebuild, and four key prospects are not playing for this team again this year. You know, Danielson, not a surprise, but Soderblom, Berggren, and Edvinson, you could all argue are NHL ready. You could probably argue Danielson should be there as well. Obviously, for all the other reasons we've laid out before, we knew that wasn't going to happen. This is a tough way to rebuild because these guys all need to come up to the NHL at some point and they can't all do it at the same time. And that doesn't even factor in when does Casper come up? Does Danielson come up next year? Does, you know, someone from Europe or a Willinder or a Johansson surprise? They 
they have to have to have to find a way to stagger these guys into the lineup. And I think they've already waited too long to do it, especially considering Berggren and Soderblom have played in the NHL and looked at least competent doing it. So again, in each individual case, before it sounds like I'm I'm completely saying this is all insane because that's not what I'm saying. You could make an argument in each individual case why Berggren should stay, why he should go, why Soderblom should stay, why he should go, and I could be swayed either way. There are no rookies on this team this year in the middle of a rebuild. Does that not seem crazy to anybody else? Like, one of these guys had to stay just for the sake of staggering it. And I get that they're probably better off with... uh, Christian Fisher or a Klim Costin in the lineup in the short term over these guys. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say Soderblom would provide more value than Costin. At this point in his career, he wouldn't. But yeah, the for for the long term outlook, I don't I don't love this. Like, I understand what you're saying of like they have to stagger the rookies, and you make a good point. For me, it's just more of a circumstance of them wanting to get better in right now. They're trying to toe that line, whether it's going to work out, we'll see in a few months. But the one that does kind of get me is Berggren. Now, I understand the rationale. If they don't think he's, you know, top nine ready right now, then you're better off having him play reps in the AHL for however long until there's an injury or until he gets called up where he'll be playing way more hockey than sitting as like, you know, fourth line, six minutes a night or the 13th forward up in the press box or whatever it might be. Like that I get. But I also think this team needs the offense that Berggren can bring. I understand it. If he didn't earn it out of camp, he had an off and on preseason. I think he heated up towards the end, but I don't know. It's tough. Do I want him up in the press box or getting minimal minutes? No. Does it suck to see him go down to the AHL when I think that's the kind of offensive talent that the lineup can use? And I, I think over the course of a season, he would find his way. Yeah, but... I don't know. We we saw the attrition over the course of last season where he needed, you know, he got bounced around a lot. He got bruised. He His legs kind of went away and the production dipped a little bit over time. So I, I see the rationale. I know people always get weird when we're like, don't sign too many players because obviously we're in the interest of always getting better. But I think the one point you made is right here. The decisions they made on this roster are to make them better this year. Yeah. But I think that in a small way, and I'm, again, Berggren and Soderblom aren't going to be the difference makers to this team ever winning a Stanley Cup. They might help, but they're not going to be the difference makers. But it's for improvement this year at possibly the detriment of the future. We'll see. It's going to depend really on on how the roster shakes out over time, what injury is going to happen. I, I, I think for this to fit though, Medium and long-term moves have to be made, plain and simple. Yeah, no, a, th- a thousand percent. Even factoring in the guys who aren't going to land, like between Berggren and Soderblom, what are the chances that both of them become, you know, everyday middle six NHLers? Not very likely. It could happen, but but just by the odds that come on average with young, talented players trying to make the NHL, not everyone does. So you factor that in, yeah, that does make a little bit more space in your brain, but they they have a lot coming up. And they have a lot that they have to to kind of force the way into the lineup. And I'll, I'll be perfectly okay with this entire scenario as long as Berggren and Edmondson are the first injury call-ups at their positions. I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. If somebody goes down 
early November at either position and those guys come up, fine. Like, totally okay with them spending a month in Grand Rapids. I'm going to tell you straight up, I am not okay with both of them. Uh, maybe even all three of them, but I'll say two just for the sake of numbers. Spending the entire season in Grand Rapids. No, they, no, They no. both need significant time in Detroit this year. Yeah. Great. And yeah, it it has to, oh, like, you but, don't, I'm not, nobody's hoping for an injury. I'm hoping for a trade, honestly. But Berggren needs more than half an NHL season. Edvinson needs half an NHL season at least. They, that's just where they're at in their development. Now, if this is like a Christian Fisher gets injured, then they want to call someone up for the, the minimal duties or fourth line box. eight minutes. Yeah, that's whatever. Zach Aston Reese. That's fine. Whatever. Yeah, but you know, if, if there's a power play spot available, then you hope to see Berggren there. And for defense, I don't care who it is. No, it's yeah, gotta be Edmondson. It has to be, and I don't. I would. I would bet a lot of money that that's what it yeah. would be. So, yeah, the timing on this was funny, but that's the Red Wings reduced to a 23 man roster. The goalie question is answered. We will see how this all shakes out. More on this to come in the season preview. And on that note, we record every Sunday night. Stevie, stop this. <laughs> that's twice this summer now. Stop. Uh, splice over. Okay, the Atlantic Division preview. Obviously, this is the big one. The Atlantic, I don't know if Thunderdome is the right way, like the right way to describe the division. Because it's not strong enough. You think it's, I think there's the, a- The term Thunderdome isn't strong enough. Well, the thing is, there's a lot of like middling teams or bad teams who are trying to be good for the first time. So I don't know that that's like, oh, all the talent in the NHL is in the Atlantic. I think it's just the margins are tight in like sections. Fine, Hunger Games. That is very Hunger Games. It, the Atlantic has a big Hunger Games vibe this year as teams look to emerge and pull themselves out of the basement. Detroit, Ottawa, Buffalo. What's going to happen to Tampa Bay? Is Florida going to stay up there? Florida's kind of, they're kind of hard to project. Boston, are they going to have a craterous season? Is Toronto finally going to do it? But. Yeah, the Atlantic's going to be, I think, the division to watch in the NHL this year in terms of how wild things might get. Probably for the next few years. I keep coming back to this John Cooper quote from a year or two ago where he was talking about how Toronto, Boston, Tampa were getting near the end of their cycle of dominance. They were getting up there in age and they would start regressing towards the pack. And then he'd talk about how Detroit... Buffalo, Ottawa are on the up and up, and there might be a year where they're almost all level. And it feels like this is the first year where that's getting close. You know, if top teams fall off a few points every year, the bottom teams pick up those points, all of a sudden everybody's meeting in the middle at 98 at some point. Yeah. And uh, I don't think this is the year for that, but it feels like it's getting close. Okay. Why don't we start with a team that lost a lot? This season, first line center Pavel Zaka, maybe for the Boston Bruins, it is not going to be easy to replace Patrice Bergeron. It's not going to be easy to replace David Krejci again. They had Bertuzzi for a spell there. Obviously, they lost him to Toronto in free agency. They had Orlov for a spell. They lost him to free agency. Taylor Hall's gone. They they lost quite a bit. Milan Lucic is back. Which is like, JVR is there. 
Morgan Geeky, yes, Bokefist, but this is a team that is going to have a lot of trouble down the middle. Yeah, they have McAvoy, and yes, they still have you know Captain Brad Marchand now and DeBrusque and Pasternak. Like they're not a bad team all of a sudden, and their goaltending should be really good between Allmark and Swayman. But how far down the order is Boston going to tumble? See, this is the weird part. They could drop thirty points in the standings this year, and they're still comfortably a divisional seed. Yes, because that would still keep them over a hundred points. So. Are they going to regress this year? Absolutely, 100%, no doubt about it. But even a significant fall could still be a comfortable playoff spot. It's so hard to gauge because even listening to you rattle off everything they lost, in my head, I'm like, I, I should rate them lower than I have them in my head. But they're just always there. And again, Pasternak, Marchand, Two stud goalies, McAvoy, you know, their defense uh, overall is still really damn good. So I'm, I'm not ready to write them off yet. I hope I'm wrong. I would Mm -hmm. love to write them off. God, do I want to see them crash and burn? I just don't think this is the year. Do you think they're going to stay in a divisional seed? I'll say playoff spot. Okay. The Buffalo Sabres. This, I think their reputation as the up and coming team is ahead of Ottawa's and Detroit's like in that group. I think the emergence of Tage Thompson over the past couple of seasons, Darlene is now going to be in his, you know, perennial Norris candidate era. They've had such an incredible injection of talent, of young talent on this team. It finally looks like they're on the up and up. So Levi looks, I don't think he's had like been perfect all preseason, but he looks like the truth. Middlestat has emerged. Like this is a team who is Young, extremely talented, and only getting better. I have a hard time not looking at Buffalo as a potential favorite for a playoff spot in the East. All they need is goaltending and capable five-on-five defense, and yeah. they're set. Yeah. That, that, but until that happens, it's just a theory. I, I'm a big believer in Buffalo, and even I'm starting to think a lot of the public opinion might be getting ahead of them. And, you know, I'm a believer in Devin Levi, Darlene, Power, you know, go on and on and on. They got to do it, though. They missed the playoffs by one spot last year, so I am betting this is the year they do it. Yeah. Um, I, I, spoiler, I'm going to have them in a playoff spot. But when you're leaning on a young decor and a rookie goalie, it's, you don't have to think very hard to see how this could all go wrong. It is... It's certainly not a certainty, I should say. It takes time for good, like, or talented teams, I should say, to learn how to be good. And on the flip side of that, it takes a long time for teams who have learned how to win and be good to fall down the order, which is why I have a hard time betting against teams like Boston. It is a little dramatic for, you know, you lost Bergeron, Krejci, and others than that. It's going to hurt a lot more, but you don't all of a sudden become bad as a team. There's a team element. There's a systems element. There's an atmosphere an energy, a vibe, like all of that factors into it. Hockey is such a human, emotional sport. So Buffalo has some work to do. They have the talent. You can see how they're going to get better, but getting better isn't an automatic thing. Good news is it for them, at least, it seems like they're on the way. We're going to skip Detroit for now. We'll save them for the end. The Florida Panthers. What do you make of Florida? I have no clue. It's a N- tough team to to evaluate. 
With Montour and Ekblad being out to start the season, the fact that they got into the playoffs on such a fluke last year, but then made a run to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. On the back of an absolutely electric Sergei Bobrovsky, mm-hmm. who I don't think anybody out there has any faith in him repeating this year, but he might. <laughs> I have no idea. There's so many question marks here. Uh, Sam Bennett, I heard, read, was injured today. I don't know if that's short-term or long-term. This is not a team that can sustain a bunch more injuries. So, I don't know. I, I genuinely and truly don't know. I think their number one defenseman to start the season is Gustav Forsling. Yep, yeah, he, and they don't have a lot. Just like Defense is going to be a hard time for them, I think. They don't have a lot to say for you know name talent on defense. They're going to want really solid goaltending. I'm a big believer in Sergei Bobrovsky. I think he is incredibly talented. He's going to need a lot of backup over the course of the season. He's famously not a goalie who loves playing a ton of games in a row. He needs his rest, but if they can get him that support and make sure that he's set up for success, then yeah, he he might come in and be able to do it. So it depends on what happens with Spencer Knight. Obviously, you hope his situation goes well, but yeah, Florida's... They have the talent to be a playoff team again. But I think they're going to be fighting more with a downward trending Boston in my mind than, you know, Toronto, for example, maybe at the top of the division. Montreal. This one is interesting. I don't know that they're going to be as bad as people think. They didn't do, like, they added, what, Casey to Smith. They just waved Gustav Lindstrom, funny enough, a little Red Wings news for you there. Alex Newhook, uh, you know, Petrie's gone, Edmondson's gone, Mike Hoffman's gone. This is the worst team in the division, but by how much? They're not terrible on paper, but the teams they play the most this year are the other seven teams in this division, mm-hmm. which is a heavy disadvantage for them. Yeah. Because they are very clearly not better than any of them. And they have depth issues at every position. Much like Detroit, they have a top-end talent issue. So I, I have concerns for their long-term outlook, uh, much of the same as Detroit's, but in the short term, we saw what happened to Detroit when they were in this position and it wasn't pretty. I think Montreal's ahead of that, but not by a ton. Like this is a team that's going to be far closer to a lottery spot than a playoff spot. Yeah. 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 They're going to be hoping for like, this is a tank year for Montreal. It's just another tank year. That's all it is. The thing is, they're probably watching the division and how it's turning around right now and thinking, we need to start to turn this around soon because Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa, they have now an advantage of time over us and we need to be competing with them in our next phase of being good. So they will look to turn it around. I'm curious to see how Slavkovsky does. For his sake, I hope well, because he's not gotten a fair shake thus far in his injury-shortened NHL career. Yeah. And Habs fans, well... We all know how Hobbs fans are. Jeez. There's a certain sect of them who are already all over the kid completely unfairly. Uh, was that who I would have picked at number one overall? No, but it's not his fault either. Yeah. So, but yeah, now he's now he's coming with that luggage. One of the toughest markets to play in in the NHL in terms of pressure and, you know, coming into a bad team is not easy for a rookie. Generally, I mean, it could be, you can be too good of a team and then you get frozen out in terms of ice time, see Lafreniere, Kako, et cetera, but... Yeah, you don't want to come into a terrible team most of the time. The Ottawa Senators. 
Detroit's arch nemesis right now for one reason or another. And probably the measuring stick for Detroit and will be for the next few years. They're an improved team. Like, yes, they lost Alex to Brinkett to the Red Wings in a trade, and, and that's never going to make you better. But overall, this is a team that I think is well positioned to potentially make some noise for a wild card spot. And I don't think their fans are crazy for thinking that. A lot of moves. Obviously, Kubelik is in. They brought in Tarasenko. A bunch of, you know, depth moves. They brought in Corpusalo at goalie, which I think is interesting. It's an upgrade from what they had. Yeah. So how much of one might not be that significant, but it is an upgrade. Big Red Wings flair to that, which is on paper, is that the best goalie to be giving that much term and money? You have to look at it relatively because what we had before sucked. And the big departure, like I mentioned, was Alex Dabrinkit. So where does Ottawa land now? This is Brady Kachuk's team. Tim Stutzla is unreal. They have to hope for Josh Norris's health. But where do they go? This is the most unbalanced team maybe in the NHL. Their top six is unreal. Between Stutzla, Batherson, Giroux, Kachuk, it's just gross. Don't know if I can name a single player in their bottom six. Uh, especially since the guy who was supposed to anchor that third line still doesn't have a contract. Yeah, they don't have Shane Shane Pinto in there yet. The left side of their D is stacked. Yeah, Shabbat, Sanderson, Brandstrom. The right side leaves a whole lot to be desired. Chikrin. Is, is he that, playing on the right side? That's, well, that's how I see it listed on this depth chart. Okay, if they yeah. do that, that's smart, but still. Yeah. The goaltending is a big what if, maybe, kind of, possibly. It's better, but again, is it that much better? It's harder to get a good top six and good top ND than it is to build depth. So they're kind of doing this the inverse of Detroit, the way I w- wish Detroit could have done it. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're light years ahead of Detroit, if ahead at all, but long-term, they're probably better positioned right now because they have the key positions for the most part locked in. And yeah, I I think the thing with Ottawa and the thing with how imbalanced there is, I don't know how this season's going to go. I really don't have a good gauge for it because if Corpusalo is anything average or below, I could see them struggling. And DJ Smith is on the hottest seat in the NHL right now, and that's going to loom large. So I, I like them. I think they're going to be good, and I, I like their long-term outlook. But again, much like Buffalo, it you don't have to think very hard to see the scenario where this all flames out for them this year. Tampa Bay. No Vasilevsky to start, I think, the first couple months of the season. They're going to need help at goalie. It's not easy to be at the heights that Tampa Bay has been at and keep that core forever, so you can't. Kaloran's gone. Maroon's gone. Oh, no. I know. Corey Perry's gone. Oh, no. But they added Connor Sheary, Luke Lendenning in Tampa Bay, of course. forgot about that. Yeah. But what does Tampa Bay do now? I'm not a big uh, Tampa Bay is going to suck all of a sudden guy. I'm actually a big believer that they're going to still, like they are nowhere close to crashing and burning in my mind. Absolutely not. Tampa Bay is Tampa Bay. And I got, I got the vibes from Tampa this year that the same thing's going to happen that happened to Boston last year. Everybody's like, oh my God, this big injury, the, they're not going to recover in time and they're going to get so far behind. And then Boston started this season on fire with the extra motivation because they were still a loaded team. Getting the exact same vibes with Tampa here. Oh no, what are they going to do without Vasilevsky? I don't know. Lean on their other nine superstars. Like, they're going to be fine. Yeah. And this is a team who knows how to win. 
it means something. I, I know it sounds like a, a an aimless platitude in the NHL, but a team that knows how to win and a coach that knows how to get his team together to win, like that is something that doesn't go away easily. So I see them carrying that onwards. The Toronto Maple Leafs, they have to be poised to win the division this year based on everything going on below them and the amount of talent that they still have on their roster. Like to me, this is their division to lose. Just an absolutely elite regular season team. Yeah. Regular season champs, hang the banner. Matthews, Marner, Bertuzzi, you know, you're going to lose that kind of muscle, score the garbage goals, be a little bit of a shit disturber in bunting, and then replace that with Bertuzzi. Great deal for them. One-year deal, Bertuzzi gets to audition, rack up some points, and hopefully get a bigger contract, and Toronto gets to add some real talent for a hopeful cup run. Matthew Nyes is going to play a full season. He looks like a really good player. I think seeing what Tavares does, is he going to stick at center? That's not really going ideally for them. Nylander, I think they, what what did they try him at center over the course of the preseason? And that already went away because obviously he's a way, way, way better winger. But overall, they have the talent. Samsonoff and, and Wall, what are they going to do in net? I think they have the talent between them to be good during the regular season. But what do you make of Toronto? Not many weaknesses on paper. Don't know that they're going to be a defensive stalwart, especially with the additions of Max Domi and John Klingberg. But top to bottom, they're solid. They have the superstars. Yeah. They have, you know, pretty good D. Obviously losing Jake Muzzin for the season already doesn't help. Samsonov was fine last year. Got to expect he'll be fine this year. Joseph Wall proved himself capable, an acceptable backup. And their forwards are going to score a billion goals. It is the recipe to be a dominant regular season team. We'll see how Klingberg does. Really good offensively and defensively a a black hole. So that's going to be... Not out of the range of possibility that he goes (laughs) (laughs) 50-50. The Red Wings. You know, we're going to save the full Detroit Red Wings season preview for next episode, but we'll give you a little taste of it here. It's an improved team, right? We've, We've seen year over year. This is the best Red Wings roster that we've seen since the rebuild started really and they're in a really tough division to do anything with that you know you bring in guys like to Comfer, it Bear, petrie clean costin justin hall daniel sprong christian fisher james reimer alex lyon if he ends up staying up like this is a that is a lot of real nhl talent they lost kublik zadina is gone but he didn't really play last year pew Suter, and then everyone else is just kind of like fringe depth players like this is a team the net improvement on this team is significant so can they move up the order with all that because of everything that we just talked about in the rest of the Atlantic they will get more points in the standings yeah (laughs) that's that's the optimistic way of phrasing it they will get more points in the standings Uh, honestly I don't know it's again I the pessimist in me the pessimist in me that's been deep in this rebuild for the better part of a decade just wants to hop on board with the national media and go, they are obviously finishing seventh in this division. Mm -hmm. And you go to most national outlets, most writers, most predictions, the amount of people that have them in seventh, I've never seen such, I don't know what the word is here, 
consensus consensus like everybody's on the same page we're all sitting around singing the same song yeah that it's it almost throws it off you know what i mean because when like why is it when is it ever that easy it's never that unanimous and there's too many moving parts right to predict it that so and there's always one team every year that throws off the consensus and the ingredients are there for that to be Detroit this year. Yeah. They're improved, and yet everybody feels down on them. But then when you look at the reasons people are down on them are deservedly so. They're in a stacked division. It, can you definitively say Detroit is better than Ottawa, Buffalo, Florida, Boston? No, of course you can't. You can say they're maybe in the same tier as one or two of those teams, and it does. it's hockey. It doesn't take a lot for a team to leapfrog that team if— Tim Stutzla gets hurt in the first week of the season, God forbid. The Red Wings are the better team, obviously, from that moment on. Yeah. But then again, same thing with Dylan Larkin. If Dylan Larkin gets hurt, hey, maybe Detroit's a lot closer to Montreal than they are Ottawa. Yeah. It's hockey. That's how it works. And, you know, if Derek Lalonde turns out to be a much better coach than DJ Smith, that could be the driving factor. Hell, the motivation Detroit's getting from being put seventh by everybody is probably going to give them a couple extra points in the standings just because they're going to want to prove everybody wrong. And again, I think it's ridiculous. The the absolute consensus at the Red Wings at seven, but I can't reasonably argue against it. I could see, I've been waiting for the opportunity to talk about my optimism for Detroit. And I don't disagree with what you're saying, Brad, in terms of like, you can't argue against it because of all of these other teams, but like, I just think they got too much better to say, yeah, like they're definitively going to be seventh. I think you added so much real NHL talent that's going to stabilize your roster. Is it all the kind of sexy addition, like the scoring that Debrinket hope is hopefully going to bring? No, of course not. But to bring it in Gostaspare and Sprong, that's a lot of really good offense. And and Gostaspare is going to bring it from the blue line on the power play too. Like that's a lot of really good offense. Five on five and special teams. I really, really, really like what I've seen from JT Confer so far. We'll see how Justin Hall does. You know, Clean Costin, Christian Fisher, those are guys who are going to be depth players anyways. So if they work out great, if not, it's not going to be worse than what Detroit has had. You're imagining that Sider is going to have a better year overall because, you know, he has that pairing with Wallman and that was outstanding for Detroit. It, you're hoping that Raymond has a better year as he continues his development. Cop, fully healthy, should be able to be a lot more like Cop than, you know, the injured rusty version of himself. A lot has to go right for Detroit to be that team, but you're right, Brad. I think the ingredients are there. I maintain what I said before. I think they are going to live and die by two things. One, health, because they can't afford to lose scoring right now. It's not Tampa Bay where, oh, you lost Vasilevsky, but you have like nine other superstars. Detroit, if they lose one of their key offensive contributors, they're already too poor of an offensive team as is. So they can't have a hole in that spot. And goaltending. Goaltending is the ultimate needle mover in the NHL. Like it or not, most people don't because it's so hard to predict. But if between Reimer and Lyon or whatever solution they have for their backup goalie can take some of the weight off Vili Husso's shoulders and we see the Vili Husso that we saw for like two-thirds of last season, that's going to give Detroit a big leg up as other teams deal with injuries, cold stretches from their goalies, you know, not being able to mesh, et cetera, et cetera. So you look at the offseason Detroit had and yeah, what we do on this podcast is we nitpick and we needle and we hyper-focus on each individual deal or whatever it is and and pick it apart and put it back together and do that a million times. And 
you can find positive and negative in anything. But if you look at it on balance, this team got substantially better. So is it reasonable to say seventh? Absolutely. Do I think that's a certainty like everyone is is implying? No, not at all. Do you have him seventh in your rankings? I do not. Oh, okay. Uh, it would have been really funny if you did. That's the Red Wings. Let's, again, the full season preview is coming where we're going to take it all apart and put it back together again a million times. That's coming Wednesday. But let's do our Atlantic Division standings. You go first, whatever order, top to bottom, bottom to top. All right. No surprises at the top for me here. I'm not going to overthink it. I've got Toronto winning the division, regular season champions, TM. Second, I'm going to go Tampa Bay. They're Tampa Bay. If I need to explain this, I, I don't know what I don't know what to say to you. Third, I'm going to go Buffalo. I'm a believer. I think that as long as Devin Levi is NHL average, the talent is there to grab a divisional seed. Fourth. Still a playoff team. I'm going with the Bruins. They are going to absolutely lose a ton of points from last season. And I think that it's going to drop them all the way down to a wildcard spot. But still a playoff team. Five, I am going the Florida Panthers. The injuries are only temporary. They, I could see them getting off to a rough start. I could see Bobrovsky being inconsistent. But this is still a team that went to the cup final last year. So as long as they can tread water until they get healthy, they should be fine. Six, I'm going with the Detroit Red Wings. I just like the consistency that they offered last year versus what the Ottawa Senators offered. Detroit Detroit is going into the season healthy. Ottawa is not. Josh Norris is a big question mark. That's a big question mark. And Shane Pinto still not being signed is a big question mark. And that's two key middle six centers for them. And they'll... The big plus for me in Detroit, and again, as pessimistic as I tend to be, this team is definitively better than they were last year, and they were in a playoff spot in February. Yeah. I I, I always have to remind myself of that. For as much as I didn't like them last year for good stretches of the season, they were in a playoff spot in late February. So if they are better than that, they're going to be better than that. So if they want to be in the playoff race, I have them up at six. Ottawa, I'm putting at seven. I think the depth is going to burn them. They are, again, much like Detroit, but they're one key injury away from getting absolutely screwed, and that might have already happened. I don't trust Corpus Allo, plainly. I just don't. And yeah, and, and they have uh, a bit more turmoil going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Some of it good. You know, new ownership. Maybe that will come with a bit more stability in the transition, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm just not sold like everybody else. I think their long-term outlook is fine, but I don't I don't love them for this year. And then eighth, with a bullet, Montreal. They are not in the same tier as anybody else in this division. So if they finish anything above eighth, that might be the biggest surprise in this division. You saw me grinning the entire time you were doing that? You had the same as me, didn't you? Exact same list. Yeah, of course. We had the exact same list. <laughs> I actually considered changing it, but I'm like, no, that was my genuine list that I prepared coming into this episode. Yeah, I Toronto, you know, barring Toronto being Toronto, which I guess is a very real possibility <laughs> here, but they are, a, a, you know, the perennial regular season champions and they just fall apart when it matters. But that's Toronto's division. I also have Tampa Bay second, too good to not. The only thing that could be really sink them is if they are catastrophically bad without Vasilevsky and they can't find the help that they need to prop them up. I'm also going to put Buffalo way up there. 
I'm looking at that talent and I'm like, I understand everything that I just said about it takes time to learn how to win. I just think they're going to do it. And how do you bet against Tage, who has made a career out of proving people wrong? The, the player who once could have been had for a fourth round pick is now one of the most electric players in the division, in a stacked division. After that, yeah, you, you can't count Boston out that much. That's one that I think I might be wrong about. I have made a habit on this podcast of never betting against Boston, but this might be the year where they do tumble down further. But like you said, still too much talent on that team to be like the worst team in the division all of a sudden. Florida at five, um, maybe a Florida fan's listening and we're going to get blasted for this. It's a combination of not knowing what to make of them. A lot of big question marks. They have a ton of talent. You know, Barkov, Kachuk, et cetera. Like, it's a team who knows how to win. They went to the cup finals. Maybe I'd have them higher if there wasn't so many talented teams ahead. Detroit, after same reasons you said, this team just got too much better to lock them into seventh. And is that biased? Yeah, I think being a bit biased here. But at the same time, they controlled their playoff destiny at one point. They got thumped by Ottawa, and that's going to be a big hill to overcome. They cannot lose games like that this year. But I can't see this team getting that much better than locking them into seventh. And for Ottawa, yeah, you're right. No Shane Pinto. No Josh Norris, maybe. We'll see how his health goes. The goaltending situation's iffy. Detroit and Ottawa, in my mind, is going to be razor margins. Barring something you know catastrophic happening to one of their rosters, it's going to be razor-thin margins, so you can flip-flop them, and then, yeah, Montreal's Montreal. So I think like this could be potentially be the most wrong we've ever been about a division prediction, though. I think everything between Tampa and Montreal is interchangeable. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I could be argued in just about any order in between the top two and the bottom team. Like if Toronto doesn't win the division, it's not impossible to think about. It would just be kind of surprising. But everything else, yeah, as of right now, there is a strong argument to be made for pretty much any configuration of this. Like you could tell me Florida's second in the division. I'd be like, yep, that's fair. Or they're seventh. Yeah. You yep. can tell me Bo- exact same thing with Boston. Like, it is going to be a wild, wild, wild division to watch. You always put stock into divisional games, but this year more than ever, I think, is going to be key for anyone trying to do something in the Atlantic. Do you see two Atlantic teams making a wild card spot? Probably not. You don't think so? They're going to take too many points from each other, and the Metro's no slouch. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Anyways, that's our Atlantic Division preview. We will get Evan's predictions as well. Spoiler, I think he's had Detroit locked in for 7th since, like, June. (laughs) But we'll see where he's at. And And he's going to make his predictions without knowing ours. That's right. Because there is a million percent chance he hasn't listened to a single second. I will guarantee that man's earbuds have not played anything other than his typical playlist, which, let me tell you, terrible. Well, some of it's good. You two share a lot of taste. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't have faith in Evan for a lot of things, but I I actually have a lot of faith in his playlist. His playlist, like your crossover in music, is what he plays whenever he's playing music at the golf course. I'm like, God, this is so bad. (laughs) (laughs) It's so terrible. And that's why I'm a bad golfer, because of the music Evan plays. Yeah, you got to turn on something relaxing, like August Burns Red, or Being as an Ocean. Oh, here come the mentions of all you little freaks who like that music. Actually, it's not bad. I just some of it to me is just a little bit too. If you need to chill, same. same. If you need to chill out, that's what Spirit Box is for. As I always say, yeah, you should definitely uh, crank that up while you're going to bed tonight. It'll, it'll, you'll fall asleep instantly. Okay, uh, some quick NHL news. 
there's not a ton going on right now. Next episode will be we'll have a lot more conversation about the movement across the NHL. You're going to see players go through waivers like crazy. Some of these might be paper moves, like they not, might not be going down. You might see some players, and Detroit included, where you're like, the player is already practicing with Grand Rapids, but hasn't been officially reassigned yet. There's so many stipulations here around, you know, injuries and when you're allowed to send someone down on paper versus not, and, you know, training camps for the AHL and ECHL or, you know, the, the lead into the season are starting up. That is going to happen in droves. Not saying it can't happen, but closer to the beginning of the episode, I said teams generally don't make too many outside moves, bringing in outside blood because they are so focused on evaluating their own team and you only have so much space. But if you're looking at a player who's a fringe depth player and you're like, hey, should the Red Wings bring this person in or will they? The answer more often than not is no. So just know that that's the time of year we're at. Do you see that Frozen Frenzy thing that ESPN's doing? I love the concept. Remember how I said I'm generally the pessimist? Yeah. Uh, do, do you have a lot of faith they're going to execute this well? You know what? I don't care. I just care that they're doing it. October 24th, ESPN's creating the NHL version of uh, NFL's Red Zone, which obviously a lot of people have enjoyed. And it's like a... Well, NFL Red Zone's perfect. Yes. They nailed it. Yeah. They absolutely nailed it. The NHL just needs to replicate it as best they can. Obviously, football lends itself a little better to that type of thing. But if they can make this something like NHL on the fly, nightly used to be, but just a little more amped up, that'd be perfect. Yeah. I don't want to see replays of goals. I'm on Twitter. I'm already going to know the scores of all the games. I want live look-ins. I want, oh, this Tampa Bay is going on a power play. Yeah. Something entertaining is going to happen, whether it leads to go get over to that game. You know, oh, the Red Wings are on the PK. Well, the team's getting a lot of shots. Load up. Yeah. John Butchergrass on October 24th is going to be hosting it. And it's all 32 teams are playing and they staggered the start times. Thank the heavens, because that's what we've been begging for for years, and it looks like they did it for this specifically. And they did it for one night, Ryan. Yeah. Wait, you know what? You start somewhere, Brad. <laughs> In a league that is a l- allergic to change, you will take it. And if it goes well, it goes well. I I fully believe it is going to be like one thousandth as good as Red Zone is, but I, you have to start somewhere. And like you said, the sport, it's going to be a lot harder to execute. It would just be really cool to do. So... Props to ESPN. Hope it goes well. Well, back in the day when I, I got in such a routine of at a certain point in the night when I was whining, I turned on NHL on the fly and just if the Red Wings weren't playing and I was happy until I fell asleep. There was a, a quote to move us along here. There was a quote from, I think it was the MLB, like where the commissioner over there, Manfred is one of the like most disliked commissioners in sports. But he said something to the effect of like his, he had a goal to kill blackouts like TV blackouts. And I was like, that is, I don't care how bad his legacy is, his reputation is whatever. But if he manages to do that, build him a statue, hundred percent. That is what every league in the world should be aiming to do. Make it so people can watch your damn sport. I understand it's way more complicated than that. You have, TV deals and and legislation and restrictions and blah, 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 this, this, and that. I actually, you know who doesn't care? The people who are watching the game. They want to be able to watch on their laptop, on their iPad, on their TV, on their phone. They just want to be able to watch whatever game with whatever team's feed. Let them rewind, let them watch in high definition, give them different angles, put a freaking ref cam on, and just make it so they can pay at one price 
or team specific or league wide. I don't care. Halfway reasonable. Everyone at this point understands it's going to be expensive. It just doesn't exist. And if whether they're in Detroit trying to watch a Detroit game or in Denver trying to watch a Detroit game, make it so they can watch the freaking game. Every commissioner in professional sports should be aiming for this. And the sooner blackouts die, the better the NHL will be for it. People will pay as long as it's simple. Yeah. Yeah. I I would, people are going to be mad at me for saying this, I would pay extra. Like, I would pay a pretty penny for easy, reliable, with good quality, and like you said, simple, accessible. Not having to use 17 different services, a VPN, whatever sketchy website ending in, uh, you know, a, a online suffix of that I've never seen before. Like, just make it so people can watch the damn game. Anyways, okay. I've ranted enough. Let's jump into overtime here. Overtime on the Winged Wheel Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Patreon.com slash Winged Wheel Podcast if you want to support the show. You get special benefits like access to the Winged Wheel Podcast Patreon-exclusive Discord, which is an awesome, awesome community. You also get access to all of our overtime bonus episodes, which record right after these main shows, as well as any other bonus content we come up with. Additionally, you're automatically entered into all of our giveaways. Last season, we gave away two tickets to every Detroit Red Wings home game, and we're doing the exact same this year. The vast, vast majority going to our Patreon supporters. So again, patreon.com slash podcast. It allows us to do things like host Winged Wheel Podcast Nights at the LCA in partnership with the Detroit Red Wings, continue to grow and expand and improve the show, hopefully. Expected by Whom is a show hosted by Prashant Iyer and Sean Shapiro. That's part of the Winged Wheel Podcast kind of content universe. And that's made possible by our patrons and, of course, our support for the Jamie Daniels Foundation. So, again, patreon.com slash podcast. Let's take some questions here. Ian Hatz says, hey, boys, longtime listener, recent subscriber, and first-time poster. Ian, thank you so much for the support, and welcome to the Dub Dub Club. Says, I think it was Brad that recently said there's enough talent in hockey to globally support an expanded NHL to a few more teams, like 36, without diluting the product. While I agree, I'm not sure what the ripple effect of that would be. What effect do you think a supersized NHL would have on the other established pro leagues in Europe and their downstream development programs? Do you think those programs would suffer and become diluted with weaker talent and resources across their organizations? Or do you think it would more positively drive growth? I think the simplest way to phrase this is they would almost cancel each other out. I don't think the growth that having like 36 to 40 NHL teams would drive would be that substantial outside of the markets that these teams land in and odds are if the team's landing in there, there's probably not a pro team hockey team there to begin with. Um, what I think ultimately happens here, like is when you break down the hockey world, you've got, you know, 15 to 30 teams in any of the top leagues around the world. So if you're filling, let's say six more NHL rosters, it's only about 150 guys. There's, more than 150 of these top-level teams around the world. So if it was evenly spread out, most of these teams are only losing one to two players, so it really would not have that significant effect on any of the leagues. Yeah, you know, the SHL loses, maybe it's top five scores, the KHL, same thing, Finnish League, Swiss League, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that's not going to fundamentally change those leagues. It's not going to fundamentally change the game. It's just, again, yeah, more centralizing the talent a little bit, but... yeah. The, the hockey world is so big that it, it almost, unless you went looking for it, you wouldn't notice it. There would be immediate effects, I think, that would impact it, but it would level out and kind of flatten out 
in a way where it would find stability again. And you can't ignore the effect. You add more teams, you add more hockey fans. Europe, in terms of how they feed into the NHL, willingly or, or by design or not, they'll have a harder time. You know, it's harder to say, yeah, add four more teams in North America and, and Sweden's going to prosper because of it. They're not going to see a proportional amount of talent or interest added. Some, sure, but I think there would be some negative effect there. But it, it would fill out, you know, the, the game will stabilize eventually. And hockey's hockey. How many times have you seen in the NHL a superstar player get injured and then someone down the lineup gets a promotion and goes, oh, hell, this guy could play. Like, take a Jared McCain in Seattle last year. Yeah. That would probably happen in 90% of these teams where it's like, oh, look at this guy. He's way better than we thought now that he's in a bigger role and he kind of fills the spot of whatever star left for the NHL. Yep. And also, like, the NHL, or hockey, I should say, isn't a full sport. Like, not everyone in the world has picked up a stick and skied it on the ice. It's not soccer. There's a long, long, long way to go before you have tapped anywhere close to even a tenth of the potential talent that's out there. It's very much the idea of, you know, the smartest person in the world could have been born into, like, extreme poverty in a third world country, and you'd never know that they're the smartest person in the world because they weren't given the opportunity. The best hockey player in the world might never have the opportunity to have skates put on their feet, let alone, you know, play. So you're focused on growing the game now more than anything. Anyways, that's a long-winded answer that I'm sure wasn't even good. Uh, Next up here, highly illegal Hartford fishing operation says, I've discovered a very conscious annoyance in recent years. Serif on preseason jersey name fonts versus regular season sans serif. Why is this? Seasonal letter availability? I must know. I think the team just makes a point, like you know, much the same as having the arch in the individual letters versus like the straight name bar for the preseason. It's just to differentiate between the preseason and and regular season. I'm sure it has something to do with being able to easily make a name bar with the letters that they have as well. But yeah, it's uh, you have to earn the the regular season letter, so to speak. Bill Nye the Thigh Guy says, "Hey Dub Dub Boys, what would you qualify as a successful season?" I don't think it should hinge on making the play the playoffs, but ultimately getting the team ready for a cup run. At this point, I still think the boys needed a little more time to build chemistry and probably management go all in for a cup run on their end. Cheers. I'll sum it up simply. The games in late March and April should matter. That Whether or not they get into the playoffs, they have to be within striking distance come games 79, 80, 81, 82. Dan Hedin says, hey guys, first off on Steve Dangle podcast, golfing level, which we were talking about that last show, uh, Jesse is maybe a little bit below Evan. Adam never golfs, but for team events and Steve as well. How do we say worse than Ryan? Oh, so that, that's pretty much us. Oh, so we, we would wax them. Well, if, if, if Jesse, Steve's worse if, than me. If Jesse's good, but not as good as Evan, that's a wash there. If Adam never golfs, I would annihilate him. But is he like you? You never golf, but you're good. So he could be the same. That That's a Terrific point. Adam could be a sandbagger. Yep. He absolutely could be. And then if you can beat Steve 130 to 140. <laughs> hey, man, I'm flirting with 100. <laughs> Although I just I did just shoot a 112. That was a bad day. So we, we've got, I lo- I'll put it this way. I like our odds. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Steve. Bring it. Oh, Steve would get lessons, though, before in anticipation. Yeah, I would not pick up my clubs before the <laughs> No. No. Yeah, it's me, me and Adam would well, we'd have fun with that. We'd make it a point to not touch our clubs for a year before the event. 
Uh, Toddy Mack says, is it crazy for me to think that Danielson could have a larger impact on this roster right now than someone like Christian Fisher? There's no rush to get him here, but if the goal is to be more competitive now, it feels like the body of work he could put together over the course of the season could still be that of a top 12 forward in the organization today. It's possible. Um, I don't think Christian Fisher is going to have much of an impact on this roster at all, but that's the thing. Most fourth liners don't. Yeah. The Danielson decision is based entirely on Danielson's development. They're not thinking about what's best for the team now. They're thinking about what's best for the team in their contention window. And Danielson was great in the preseason, but you'd be lying to yourself if you didn't sit, if you said you didn't notice the mistakes he was making as well. The tipping goal against Toronto was fantastic. The turnover in the neutral zone that led to Nylander's goal to open that game was very much Danielson's fault. And that's the stuff he has to work out of his game still. And another year in juniors is going to help, especially with the Red Wings watchful eye giving him tips along the way. Listening to Ryan Hanna in the shower says, hey, Dub Dub boys. Hello to Evan if you're finally here. Who am I kidding? Anyways, what jersey website is the best if I want to get a Red Wings jersey that isn't one of the main guys? Uh, our friends at Vintage Detroit do an amazing job. They have an excellent reputation for a good reason. We always recommend people go there. They don't sponsor the show or anything. We just love the work that they do. Um, they've been really good to us in, in terms of the quality of what they've made for us. We get all of our jerseys from them, except for when the team uh, randomly sends us some uh, some reverse retro jerseys, which was very great of the Red Wings to do. But no, Vintage Detroit is your friend. My brother's trying to find one, and it's been pretty difficult. It's definitely out of my price range, but how much do you think a Rogla Marco Casper jersey would cost? Happy Thanksgiving and stay fresh cheese bags. There was someone on the Red Wings subreddit a while back who was helping people source Swedish jerseys. I would try to find out who that was. I don't know if they're still doing it, if there's a lot left, but I remember you could have them for not that terrible of a price before. European jerseys are also funny. They're plastered with ads. and I love them. It's ridiculous. Don't say that, Brad. You're you're welcoming something that we're not prepared to have here. One ad on the jerseys is already driving me absolutely insane. Yeah, but it's not our thing. It's their thing. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast. Next episode is going to be one day before the regular season starts on Wednesday. Evan, in theory, will be here. So block out a couple hours on your Thursday morning. You're going to need it. Yes, it is going to be our big one, the Detroit Red Wings season preview. So... That's where we get into everything. Final roster decisions will have been made by then. It is going to be kind of the big kahuna before the Red Wings season kicks off. Uh, again, folks, thank you all so much for listening. If you're a new listener, welcome. If you're a listener of old, we, we so, so appreciate you tuning in. Be sure to get your Winged Wheel podcast and the LCA tickets, wingedwheelpodcast.com slash Red Wings, or go to the link in the description of this episode. Be sure to get them fast if you want to get your co-branded Detroit Red Wings and Winged Wheel podcast beanie. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon supporters, including our name-level sponsors, Arjun Shanker, Yves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Akefer, Samuel Soderholm, Icon, Brad's Lord and Savior, Bradley Cleveland, Glenn Brabham, Everybody Loves Raymond, Croner's Left Knee, Sea Lion, Keenan O'Donoghue, Yanni Burgers, Meals on Wheels, Matthew M. Rice, Admiral Matt S. of the Cheesebag Navy, Brian J. Bauer, Carl Brutina Nanoluski, Citizen High Five, Clip Clop Nene, Connor Scovey, Cooking with Kosa, Kyrie Season Tickets in Anywhere But Tempe, Craig Kibble, Denny's Gamer Girl, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Exquisite Teen Buble Schwinslow, Give Blood Fight Probert, Hockey Town Love, Hockey Town Matt, Hassam Al Qasem, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Joel Miranda, Kalen Wood, King Tone Marcus, Marlon Winchester, Matt K. Cannon, Fodder, the Cheesebag Army, 
Matt McKay, Michael Edland, RA, Red3, Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Scree and Lube. Sorry, guys, my brain is short circulating. That's what I appreciate about you. Wallman's Elite Dancing D. What's that smell? Iser Plan Stan, General B- Andy Bohan of the Cheesebag Army, Sam Bankson, Adam Rose, Axels, Sandy Pelica, Big Cheese, Brad Simmons, Brian Vasha, Captain Antonio Gracias of the United Federation of Cheesebags, Chuck Buffchest, the Tarpless Goon, Commander Ben Barron of the Cheesebag Space Force, Connor, Connor Leighton, Corey Prita, Darren Fick, D Boss, Snip Show, Frank Stanley, Gene Sullivan, Griffey Boy, Henrik Robert Deeks, James Laporte, James Pridemore, Jeremiah Dobo, JM Rhapsody, John Evans, Derogatory, John Ingalls, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Linda Hull, Maximilian, Melissa Erickson, Norris Sider. Oh, I almost forgot. If you can, please, no, <laughs> no, can you please donate to, I'm not reading that website out, Ryan Hanna Banana to become a member of the so-called Dub Dub Rub. You guys are insane people. I need you all to know that. Oh, Ophelia, Steven, the Hodag, the Hat123, Winging It in San Diego, X, formerly A.A. Ron, and your second favorite patron. Thank you all so very much. The season preview is coming. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.